Thank you, worship team. How's everybody doing this morning? Some of you guys sound okay. Some of you guys don't sound okay. Oh, guys, I got the table up in one try this time. Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. You know, I, I know that Christmas is over with and the radio stations have turned off the Christmas music, but we can still celebrate Christmas. And I know that some of our fellow believers will say, well, we live in light of the resurrection. And that is true. But in order to die and be resurrected from the dead, you have to be born. So we can still celebrate Christmas for a few more days. Then I say that because I also still have to give a few more Christmas gifts to some people. Um, and so that is uh, one of the reasons why uh, Christmas isn't over. Tap your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We're still in that Christmas season. Some of you are still full from Christmas dinner, and then you're still probably full from the leftovers. And then if you had turkey, you probably had a turkey sandwich uh, before you went to bed last night. Or chocolate. All right, that works too. It is so good to see everybody here this morning. My twin brother, Nick Zalonko, is here. You lo you're looking good. You're looking good. Hey, Pastor Rachel. How are you? Welcome home. Thanks for visiting. Uh, we're glad that you chose this church uh, to visit this morning. Just thought it'd be a, I, you know, good, good thing you did that. Well, here we are. We're at the end of the year. Oh, man. 2018. What a year. I don't know about you, but I necessarily didn't like 2018. I had a lot of stuff happened in 2018 that I'm not really happy about. But and maybe you can agree with me, maybe you, you had a tough year as well. And, and, and some of you, you probably did have a tough year, and you still smell like smoke, but you're not burned, because when you look back over the year, you realize that you were able to make it through because of our God who upholds us. Amen? And, you know, last year at this time, we weren't standing, well, technically, last year at this time, Pastor Jeff were probably in here thinking about how we were going to swim in the swimming pool that formed at, like, right around here every time we visited the construction site, but last year we weren't here, and, and we look back and we see where we're sitting and where we're standing this morning. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how God takes care of us through the ups and through the downs, through the highs and through the lows? We serve a great God who will always uphold us. Amen? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, God is good. See, I was waiting for the real Christians. I'm just kidding. I was waiting for the real church folk to say all the time. Uh, uh, look at your other neighbor and say, hey, other neighbor. God is good. All the time. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. This year was our 50th anniversary as a church. Wow. Isn't that amazing? 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. How many of us have made resolutions? Any of us made a, res a couple of resolutions? Some of us, you know, we're going to work out a little bit more. We're going to get healthy. We're going to stop going to Starbucks every day, and some of us are going to spend less. None of those two have anything to do with me. Some of us are going to try and spend more time with family. Some of us are going to find the right person in our lives. You know, that special person. Let's take a look at some of the leading resolutions of 2017. I think I have a slide for us. There we go. Uh, improve personal fitness and nutrition. Focus on financial goals. Travel and leisure. Quit bad habits. I have a few bad habits I probably should quit. Uh, spend more time with family and friends. Learn something new. And then other 6%. That was 
uh, from 2016 people's resolutions in Canada going into 2017. And I believe that resolutions are a good thing. We should want to set goals, right? We should want to, to set out how we're going to improve our lives. And I believe that the Bible has some resolutions for us. And this morning I want to pull, pull a few things uh, from a few different scriptures, and I want to preach for about five and a half hours. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Using as a subject resolutions for a new year from the Bible. Resolutions for a new year from the Bible. I spent most of my time in the book of Colossians, and, and again, uh, Paul will lay out some practical advice. And last month when we were in our All Things New series and I talked uh, from the book of Romans, we, we looked at Romans and I told you guys that part of Romans is, is, pra- is doctrine and part of it is practical. And Paul does the same thing here in his letter to Colossians. There's doctrinal advice and then there's practical advice and we can follow all of it. And I believe that we're going to pull a couple of things out from, from Colossians and a couple other verses this morning. I think I narrowed it down to about 7, 12, uh, somewhere in those numbers. But don't worry, guys. I know some of you guys have chicken reservations after church. So we can resolve to improve in the new year. I need to let you in on a little secret. 80% of resolutions fail by February. However, as followers of God, we have something or someone that helps us to keep these resolutions. The first one is live with eternity in mind. Live with eternity in mind. One of the most important things for us as believers, as we go through the year and as we look back, we, we're able to stop for a moment and think about the grander scheme of things. I have a tendency sometimes to forget that my present situation is just a tiny, tiny bit when we compare it to eternity. When we compare it to forever, the, the time that we are living is minute. You know, we come across situations in our lives and we, we live in that moment, but we forget that there is more to it than that moment. And I know it is hard for us to remember that. But Colossians 3, chapter 1, verse Sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, it says this, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. The realities of heaven. The realities of heaven. Let me point out a couple of realities about heaven. Uh, the first one is heaven is where God is. And where God rules from. Psalm 123 verse 1, it tells us that God is enthroned in heaven. David writes that psalm and he says, Oh God, you are enthroned in heaven. He is sitting on the throne. And only kings sit on a throne. And our God is a king who rules from heaven. The second reality of heaven is heaven is for believers. Heaven is for believers. Heaven is where we will go after our time on earth is done. In John, Jesus says to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. Those who follow, those who believe, those who trust in God. That is a reality of heaven. Remember our series 
uh, all things new that we were in just a few short weeks ago. Remember, we have a new mind. Remember that? Anybody? Remember? We have a new mind. Very few of you apparently remember. We might have to go back into that series in the new year, apparently. How many of you guys, you remember that series, right? All right, just let me listen, guys. I, I need something from you guys. Listen, I need to let you guys in on another little secret. Uh, this one's a little bit more obvious, but I'm black. <laughs> Last week, Pastor Jeff told us he's black on the inside. Well, I'm black on the outside and on the inside. And when I preach, I need a little bit something from you guys. I, I, you can call me a holler back preacher. I need you guys to tell me if I'm doing good. I preach faster and I preach shorter if I know that you guys are getting uh, what I'm saying this morning. How many of you guys have a new mind this morning? There we go. See, it's working already. See, we got to hammer that home, brother, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> oh, boy. Remember, we have a new mind. We have a new mind that focuses not on the things of this earth, but we focus on the things of heaven. And when we set our sights on heaven, we are looking at things through a different perspective. A new perspective. And it's easy to be in the moment when your car breaks down. But it takes another bit of resolve to stand back and see things of the perspective, see things from the perspective of how God sees them. It's a little phrase, setting sights. In Colossians, setting sights, it's a present tense activity. Not I have set my sights on. Not I have set it sighted. That doesn't even make proper grammatical English sense. It's present tense. It's in the moment. It is a continual action that as we go through this new year, as we are believers, we set our sights on things of heaven. As believers, as a church, we continue to put our focus on the things of of God, we continue to put our focus on the things of heaven. I'm always preaching to our high school students on a Friday night that your current situation is small compared to the grand scheme of things. I'm always saying that God lives outside of time. He looks at time from the outside. We look at time as a part of it. But our God is so much bigger than a clock on a wall or a calendar. Let me say that again. Our God is so much bigger than a clock on a wall or a calendar. He's the one who controls it in the palm of his hand. Setting our sights on heaven means that when trials come, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret, they will. We have the ability to get through because we serve a God who has made promises to us. And when our sights are set on heaven, We have taken hold of those promises and we live with eternity in mind knowing that our God, the same God who made those promises, the same God who made promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, is the same God who will uphold those promises that he has made to you. And so when the trials come, they're not going to matter because our sights are set on heaven. A young boy, he made a toy boat and he went to go sail it on a pond, and while he was playing with it along the water's edge, the boat floated out beyond his reach. And in his distress, he asked an older boy to help him. Without saying a word, the older boy picked up some stones, and he started to throw them toward the boat. Little boy became upset, for he thought the one he had turned to for help was being mean. Soon he noticed something, though. 
Stones were not hitting the boat. Each stone was directed past the boat. It made a small ripple. And every little ripple made the boat come closer and closer back to the shore. Every throw of the stone that the older boy made was planned. And at last, the treasured toy boat made its return back into the boy's waiting hands. You see, sometimes it seems as God is allowing circumstances into our lives that are harming us. And they, they don't make sense. It's not according to plan. Sorry. It's not according to our plan. But you, we need to understand something, though. That the waves of trials and tribulations, they, they, they aren't actually meant to harm us. They're, they're intended to bring us nearer to himself. To encourage us to set our minds on things above and not on things of this earth. And when we set our sights on heaven and live with eternity in mind, we are trusting that God's plan is bigger and better than our plan. And we may not know why. But it's sort of like God is saying, hey, I need you to trust me a little. I need you to put your, your trust in me. I need you to know that in this moment, that person that's wronged you, you got to trust me because when I come back, everything will be made right. Yeah, the sickness, but when I come back, everything will be made right. We live with eternity in mind and we sit back and ask, God, how can you use me? When we live with eternity in mind, we're, we're not worried about ourselves. We're worried about how can you use me? I'm focused on heaven. And a part of focusing on heaven means I want other people to join me in heaven. So God, how can you use me? How can I best serve the kingdom? So we live with eternity in mind. The next resolution is a bit tougher. The next uh, resolution is put sin to death. Putting sin to death. And this sort of goes with our first point of living with eternity in mind. Uh, because when we put sin to death, we're dying to self. We want to live our best lives with eternity in mind, and we want to be as close to God as possible. And there is only one thing that can separate us from God. As humans, there's only one thing that separates us from God. Let me talk to this side. This side's a little bit quieter this morning. As humans, there's only one thing that can separate us from God, and that is sin. This is where y'all, some of y'all need to sit over here a little bit more. I'm just, I'm playing with you guys. I'm playing with you guys. Sin, it separates us from God. And now we've been saved by the blood. We've been saved by the cross. But, you know, sometimes there's still a little bit of sin in our lives that holds us back. We've been raised with Christ, but there's still a little sin. We've been justified, but sanctifi sanctification is a process. Sanctification is the process of becoming holy. And that's the first step in putting sin to death is becoming holy. What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Now, I'm going to allow you guys to choose your own adventure here. I could talk about that entire list there, but it would take about eight hours. 
or I could continue on with what I have written down. No? You don't have to say anything. I think I've made the choice for you guys. It's okay. <laughs> Paul writes, put to death. There is a finality in death. Death is the end. And when we live with eternity in mind, it requires some harshness when it comes to dealing with ourselves. It requires us to take a tough look at ourselves and put to death some of the things of this world. Paul gives you a list. Paul gives us a list. I think the tough part is looking within yourself. I think the tough part is standing up in front of a mirror, although the mi every mirror I look at looks tremendous, by the way. <laughs> but there's, there's another thing to take an inward look at yourself and an inward look at your attitudes and an inward look at your behavior. It's easy for me to come up to you and say, listen, your attitude sucks. The way you talk sucks. I think you're kind of greedy. It's easy for me to go up to somebody and say that. That's simple. But for me to go to myself and say, hey, Stefan, you suck. You're a bit greedy. You have some attitude problems. And it's one thing to identify, it's another thing to put to death. It's another thing to put to death. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, is probably one of the toughest uh, things in the Bible. Search me, O God. This is a tough prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. life. The resolution is to put to death, and we all know some of our areas of weakness that we need to put to death. Every time I, I think of that, I'm reminded of the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. For those of you... Um, not familiar with the Old Testament. There's this story, there's this town um, that the Israelites had been promised. And God says to Joshua, lead the people, lead my, my army around this fortified city. It had a wall. The city was named Jericho. And they marched around it how many times? Seven times. For how many days? And so they marched around it seven times every day. And on the seventh day, the seventh, seventh time, they made a loud noise. Now, I didn't bring any trumpets with me this morning. I thought about it, but I decided to use better judgment and not. On the seventh day, the seventh time, the walls came down. But, but do you remember the instructions that God gave to the Israelites? He didn't just say, go into city and then live there. No, 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 no. God said to put everything to death. Because if you leave one single thing, it could come back. Put to death all of the things that offends you, Lord, in my life. Because if we forget, if we leave one thing, if we show a little bit of mercy to sin, if we show a little bit of mercy to the things that God has put to death, guess what? It's, it's sort of, uh, I've never actually done any real gardening in my life. But someone help me out here. If there are weeds in my garden and I just pull up the, and I just, you know, sort of trim it down, what happens? 
it's going to grow, grow back again, right? So if I don't, I don't know, let me use a good term here. If I don't kill the weed, what's going to happen? It's going to come back. If, if I don't pull it up by the root, it's going to. You see, if you don't put sin to death, it's going to. You see, that's why God told the Israelites, listen, you got to kill everything in there. Because if you leave anything, it will come back. And I have promised you this, and I'm going to give it to you. And God is telling us that we need to put to death some of the sin in our lives. This year? Well, we could do it right now or next year. I'm going to give you this verse one more time. You've probably heard this verse a million times in the last couple of months. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is and a new life has begun. The old sinful man is put to, and a new life has begun. The third resolution, that was, uh, that's pretty much all that point was. The third resolution is to pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. You know, putting sin to death is the first step in pursuing holiness. And, you know, we take all of our selfishness and our greed and we put on the virtues of holiness, and we reject the world's ideas, and we put on God's ideas of how we should live. And Paul writes in chapter 3 of Chronicles, verse 12, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people, actually, you know what? You guys are a little quiet this morning. Let's do something a little old school here. How about you read the verse to me, all right? On the count of three. Everybody, we can see that? It's good. It's nice and big for you guys. All right, here you go. One, two, three. Give yourselves a round of applause for reading so well this morning. (laughs) Pursuing holiness. Pursuing holiness. Hmm. A couple of things that really stood out to me, especially when I read that verse. Some of these virtues are really hard. Kindness, it's hard to be kind sometimes. Humility, hmm, I think I've got that one pretty down pat. You all, you all know me so well. <laughs> Gentleness, I need to work on that one. Patience, oh, the Lord needs to give me double. Those are really hard. Those are tough. I really do think I'm better at humility than you guys are giving me credit for. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> I, in case you did not know, I have a low mercy level. Uh, I'm not the most merciful person. Um, listen, I could probably use a few boosts in that area. Maybe a bunch. Uh, and, and some of these are easier for others. Pastor Jeff is really merciful. If you want mercy, go to Pastor Jeff. He will show you the, the Lord's amount of mercy. I, on the other hand, I still have to learn and grow in that area. I am young. Thank you. <laughs> Whoever said that, oh. I want the Lord to enlarge your territory this year. 
you know, God, <laughs> oh man, they're not easy, and, and some of these are easier for some than others, and Paul is writing that we all need to have these virtues, we all need to grow in these virtues. How about verse 13, make allowance for others' faults. Doesn't that go very well with putting sin to death? You see, the enemy will use other people to get you, tri- to, to trip you up and to mess you up. But when your focus is on heaven, when you've put sin to death, and when you're pursuing holiness, someone who steps on your Jordans isn't going to offend you that much. It's a daily, it's kind of interesting because it's a daily, it's daily that we put sin to death. And it's daily that we pursue holiness. A daily pursuit of holiness is being obedient to God and trying to be more Christ-like and putting on a lot of those virtues, all of those virtues. We do this uh, not only to give honor to God for what He's done in our lives, but we do it to display who God is to others. Our lives as followers of Jesus, we're kind of like mannequins. And because it's 2018, one mannequins, if that's a thing. Male mannequins and female mannequins. We're, you know, I don't know. Just want to make sure I cover all my bases here. You know what a mannequin is, right? You go into a store and there's something on display that is showing you the latest fashion, the latest trends. Some of those trends, though, I have to question some of them, to be really honest with you. Anyway, and, and we as believers, as followers of God, we are to display and showcase who our God is. And it's interesting, he says he, we must clothe ourselves. We must wear mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. We must wear these virtues and display these to other people. We must display who the church is. We must display who God has called us to be. And that is people who follow after God's own heart. And our God is a God of love, a God of mercy, of kindness, of gentleness, and oh, is He a God of patience. Oh, is he a God of patience. So let us be people who love. Let us be people who hope. Let us be people who take care of each other. Let us be tender-hearted with mercy. Let us be kind. We have the ability to draw closer to God when we pursue these things. When we pursue these virtues, when we pursue holiness, we are pursuing God's own heart. And as we pursue holiness, guess what, ha- guess what happens? Actually, don't guess. I'm going to tell you. And it's actually my next point. My next point is this. Uh, yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. You see, we cannot achieve anything without the Holy Spirit working in us. See, I said earlier that two points stuck out to me uh, about two things popped out to me about our, our last verse that we read. And that list in Colossians, it reminds me of another list that Paul writes. When we pursue holiness, the enemy's going to try and stop us. You see, the enemy doesn't want you living in what God has for you. But how many people know that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't just leave us alone. He didn't just say, all right, now figure this out for yourselves. Good luck. I'll see you whenever I come back. No, he said, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to send another. I'm going to send someone who will help you. In fact, Jesus said, it is better that I go. So that the Spirit 
may come. And, and when I read that, and I think of that, and then I think Jesus said, you will do greater things than I did. And I was like, whoa, Jesus, uh, you had the biggest fish fry barbecue ever. You were out here raising man from the dead. You were out here just, you know, picking up ears, putting them back on the people. How am I, how am I, I barely can keep my patience sometimes. How am I going to be able to do better things than you did? Oh, I know how. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to pursue holiness. Gives us the ability to put sin to death and the ability to live with eternity in mind. The Holy Spirit helps us to remember those promises that God made. The promises that I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit is there to help us when someone tries to trip you up and you're getting ready and then you're like, and the Holy Spirit holds you back. And you're like, mm, you know what? I'm living with eternity in mind. I ain't even going to worry about you. This list in Colossians, it reminds me of this list in Galatians. This list in Galatians that we, we sort of, uh, that we know. But let me read this first to you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We need to yield to the Spirit. And when we yield to the Spirit, uh, we display the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I thought you guys were going to help me out. I'm not saying I forgot. I was waiting for somebody. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness, wow, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. There's no law that tells you you can't be patient. There's no law against kindness. There's no law against goodness. You see, when we yield to the Spirit, the Spirit produces this kind of, of fruit in our lives. And when I talk to our leaders in our fellowship, I, I get the opportunity to talk to, to youth and young adult pastors uh, across Toronto. And we, we get together and we talk, and I'm always bringing up, what's the Holy Spirit doing in your life? The Holy Spirit is so vital in our churches, so vital in our walk, we cannot afford to deny him the opportunity to speak into our lives. This is why I am so pro-Pentecostal. Because there is no way that Pastor Jeff would let us have service without saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. There is no way that we start service without allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. Oh, the Holy Spirit is so vital. Spirit is a huge part of our lives, a huge part of our, our walk. And I'm starting to lose count the amount of times that I've spoken a word to someone out of obedience to the Spirit, not knowing what's going on in their lives. And as much as I would like to take some credit, I cannot because it is not me. I only play a minuscule role, and that's just to be obedient. 
And for those of you who've been in church for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those moments where, where you know, you're on your way out, but something stopped you from leaving the building. Those moments where you just prayed over someone and you had no idea what you were praying, but it was only because the Spirit said, I need you to pray for this specific thing in this person's life. Oh, the power of the Holy Spirit is so important. And in 2019, we need more of the Spirit in our lives. And as we yield to the Spirit, we're able to pursue holiness even more. We're able to live and put sin to death. And we're able to focus more on heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad, so grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. Do I have time for one more? Yeah, all right. Y'all ain't talking to me, so I wasn't sure if, you, if, we were on, if we were on good terms or not. What a tremendous, I, I said this earlier, what a tremendous year it's been here for our church. What a tremendous, just to stand here. And even though these lights can be br- very blinding at times, it is amazing to stand here. It's amazing for us to be able to control them and not have to go to the back and flick a couple switches and see which light actually turns off what. It's amazing to not get lost. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. The first few months, I kind of got lost in the church a couple times. Not really sure what staircase I went down and where I was. Not sure what light to turn on. But here we are. And I want to pause for a moment because I'm, I'm kind of old school like this. And the Bible says we have to give honor where honor is due. And I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't have been able to manage a lot of the things that that we were able to accomplish this year. I know for a fact I wouldn't. uh, Listen, you can ask Stephanie, our administrator. I barely can handle submitting receipts on time. So there's no way I could have handled all this. But we need to stop for a moment and give honor to Pastor Jeff and Helen as they have led us. You guys have to stand up. I'm sorry I'm putting you on the spot. Come on, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to stand up. Come on. Come on, we, come on, you guys can make a little bit more noise than that. For all the hard work and, and the meetings that they've been in and for, for leading us and for following the lead of the Holy Spirit this year and leading our church, I think it, it is only appropriate that we, we, we give honor where honor is due. It is so appropriate that we, we, we remind ourselves that we come under leadership as a church. And this last one, it, it kind of is, is, it's a bit interesting. I was looking at a few things, a few resolutions. I was looking at a few different statistics. And, and my last resolution for this year is to be above average. You've heard me say a, a multiple times in, in some of my messages, I grew up in church. You know, there was Sunday morning service. Then we would come back for Sunday afternoon service at 6 o'clock. We'd come for Wednesday night, kids club, junior high on Wednesdays. And then, you know, because I wanted, uh, you know, I thought it was a good idea, I would come with my mom to prayer meeting on Friday nights, and that felt like four days. I'm a, listen, I'm, listen. Seven-year-old Stefan couldn't hang in those prayer meetings. I don't even know why I came, I, to be honest with you. Uh, I just went to hang out with friends, um, and, and we'd go to prayer meeting. And I look back, and I'm so thankful for those prayer meetings. They were really long. Thank you, Jesus, for all the prayer, uh, because I needed all the prayer I could get. I still, I'll still take all the prayer I can get, just to let everybody know. You know, there's three to four days a week, and, you know, people we would go to church every Sunday in a month. And if we weren't at home, if we were on vacation, we'd find a church to go to. 
And, you know, I've noticed and sort of seen some numbers that the average attendance in church now is around two times a month, give or take. And so being the crazy mathematician that I am, I said, well, there's 52 weeks a year, and if people are going mm, two times a month, mm, it's pretty much half. So that's 26 times a year. That was my, my great uh, math ability. Oh, what? Thank you, Pastor Joe. I worked on that one. <laughs> but I thought to myself, if you're going to church 26 times, and, and you're not going to church 26 times, then that means that's 26 times that you're missing a word from God. That's 26 times that you don't get the opportunity to worship together. That's 26 times that you're going to miss out on what God has to say to you. That's 26 times that you're not able to use the gift that God has given you in service to the church. Hebrews 10 verse 25, it says this, And let us neglect, let us not neglect, whoops, our meeting together, as some people do. I should have had you guys read that one. But encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I have a lot of favorite memories from being in church. We sang great songs like Let the Holy Spirit Take the Chicken Out of You. That was the original. I don't think that was Hillsong, though. Um, we were watching, you know, Bible Adventures. All who enter this door pass through time. Anybody remember? You guys don't remember that? You know, those are good VHS videos, you know, from singing salty songs. Anybody remember Salty the Songbook? Yeah. Those were, those were tremendous. We had amazing youth services when I was in youth. We had tremendous moments in a Sunday morning where the power of the Holy Spirit would just descend on the church and a word would come. You know, I have fond memories of arguing about food in church. I know you guys think I'm weird, but listen, it is curry chicken, not chicken curry. <laughs> and if you eat your cake without fruit, there's something I have to question. You missed that conversation, Gary. I'm sorry about that. But what I'm getting at is church is a place where different cultures can get together. You remember Heaven's Rehearsal? I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Heaven's Rehearsal was like this big worship thing that happened, I want to say about 10 years ago, at the Air Canada Center or the Sky Dome, one of the two. And it was people from every nation, every tongue, coming together to just worship together as a glimpse of what heaven will be like. Church is a place where race doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are accepted here. That's why I defend our denomination so much because uh, back in the day, in the, in the early 1900s, when, when black people could only sit upstairs in church, it was a Pentecostal movement. It was William Seymour and Charles Parham in, in, in Azusa Street that brought together races, black people and white people and Mexican people and women. Remember, the first person recorded to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit was Ellen Hebden. See, we in our hypersensitive society, we pay so much attention to those things, and God's like, why are you paying attention to that? I love everybody. Red or yellow, black or white, they are precious in his sight. We come together as children of the Most High God. 
We come together in the name of Jesus to give him glory and honor as a community of believers. We come together to learn from one another, to serve each other. And for those of you who um, heard the word serve each other and you're like, oh, maybe I should get involved. Yes, in 2019, we have a lot of areas that you can uh, get involved and serve each other. We come to church to exercise the gift that God has given you. The church as a community of believers is meant to bless each other. That when a situation arises, you have people who will help you focus on eternity. There will be people who will want to walk with you as you put sin to death, who will help you in your pursuit of holiness, and who will encourage you to open your heart and open your eyes to the Spirit working in your life. The church is a place of joy. When we get together and we worship, it is powerful to hear voices crying out to God in unison. And we need to be above average. Because we grow more in Christ together than we do alone. I love podcasts. I love watching YouTube videos. Don't get me wrong. Those are all great. But nothing beats tapping your neighbor on the shoulder and saying hello. Tapping your neighbor on the shoulder and saying, hey, is this guy going to make me talk to you again today? There's nothing that beats that ability to sit down in community and share with something, share with someone something you've learned. Oh, there's nothing that beats coming together. Let's encourage each other. Let's encourage others to be above average this year. Let's encourage others to pursue holiness, to put death to sin, to yield to the Holy Spirit. Let's walk in these resolutions this year. I believe that as we live with eternity in mind, as we put sin to death, as we pursue holiness, and as we yield to the Holy Spirit, we will naturally be above average. Because we will so want to come together. We'll so want to edify each other. We'll so want to spend time together as a community, growing and sharing with each other and recognizing that there is a God who is not dead. There is no man that could come against us. There is no weapon that formed against us that will prosper because we serve a living God. And so listen, this morning, you, you might have been sitting here and you say, I want... I want these things. I want to do these things. Well, great, you're in the right place. Because in a moment, the worship team is going to join me, and we're, we're going to have a chance to worship together. But I want every eye bowed and every head closed. Every eye closed and every head bowed. <laughs> if, you ask my, if you ask my relentless students, they, that's a common mistake I make. I believe that there are a couple people in this building, in this room this morning, the first, you're here and you say, I hear these things. I hear these resolutions. I've had a tough year. I want to walk in holiness. Well, it starts with accepting Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. It starts with accepting the fact that you are a sinner but we serve a God who saves. And that in his love and mercy, he sent his son to die on a cross called Calvary. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you're here this morning and you say, I need to, I need to start a relationship with the Lord. I need to start 2019 walking with God. 
I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wait till Tuesday or whenever the calendar flips. I'm here to tell you, you can do that right now. Why wait? Why delay? If that's you this morning and you say, I want, I want to begin with God, you can just put your hand up. hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before, before we pray for that, I, I believe there's another, another person, group of people here. You're people you say, I've walked with God. But some way along my walk, I, I became a little selfish. I became a little greedy. I sort of put God on the back burner. And something's been nagging at you ever since. It's been bothering you ever since, and you can't understand where it's coming from. I'm here to tell you, the Lord sent me today to tell you, that's God trying to get your attention and saying, listen, I'm waiting with open arms for you. That's my Holy Spirit pushing you and prompting you and saying, listen, I'm right here. God's right here. Doesn't matter what you've done. Yeah, I know you went through some tough stuff and you didn't trust me with it, but I'm still here with you. And if you give me the opportunity in this new year, I'm going to walk with you. If that's you, you can put your hand up this morning. You can say, God, I've fallen away, but I'm coming back. Come on now, if you lifted up your hands and you know you, you should have lifted up your hand and you didn't, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. Jesus, I admit that I have fallen short. But I accept your forgiveness. I believe in your death. I believe in your resurrection. So come into my heart. Be my God. And from this day forward, I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the hundredth time, there are angels. They're throwing a little party up in heaven because they rejoice when one comes home. Oh, God's love and his mercy, his salvation, his forgiveness. It's so amazing. And so if you need prayer this morning, I want you to know that there, there will be prayer for you. We'll, we'll pray with you. I don't know what it is going on in your life, but, but we'll have people available to come alongside of you, to pray with you, to pray for you. Because like I just said, the, the church is not a place for you to be alone. We grow together. And so we want to pray with you. I want to give you that opportunity in a few moments, but I'm going to sort of flip the script a little. See, because I believe that this is our last Sunday morning service together. And yeah, we'll pray, and we'll be over here praying for you, but if you don't need prayer, and you're, you're going to go fellowship and all, let's, let's go out of here with some joy. You know, we've walked in with a heavy year. Some of you walked in with burdens, and you need to you need to trade your sorrows. And I want everybody to stand up on their feet this morning. Sorry, guys. I love you guys so much. You see, I believe it's time that we trade our sorrows. Let's leave them in 2018. Does that sound like a plan? Now, I don't want you guys to be all quiet and stuff. You can't do that. Because when you're trading your sorrows, you're trading them in for joy. So you got to be joyful when you're trading your sorrows. 
you got to be happy that you're trading in your sorrows for joy. So I want all of you to get a little black yin-yang, get a little dance on in the place this morning. All right? If that ain't you, just watch this side to side. Simple thing. All right? You can do that, right? Come on, clap your hands. 